the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says Republicans are set to roll out their next COVID-19 aid package tomorrow. Mnuchin says the fine-tuned proposal does have support from President Trump. He met with White House Acting Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on Saturday on Capitol Hill to talk about the $1 trillion proposal. He told reporters at the Capitol that extending an expiring unemployment benefit but reducing it substantially is a top priority for the president. Correspondent Ken Lorman. Mnuchin says the blueprint is just a starting point in negotiations with Democrats who will have their own ideas. Authorities declared a riot early today in Portland, Oregon, where protesters breached a fence surrounding the city's federal courthouse where U.S. agents have been stationed. This is SRN News. Dan Proft explains the left's victim mentality. If you've been identified as a victim class because you don't have as much as somebody else, then you're a victim uh, who has been oppressed wrongly by people who are privileged who've got their privilege through no accomplishment of their own. Thus, we need to take from the privileged to give to you so as to remediate this unfair imbalance. The Dan Proft Show, weeknights at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Sign up right now at am1280thepatriot.com for your chance to win our $2,500 back-to-school shopping spree. If you're selected, we'll also gift $2,500 to your school. And the back-to-school sweepstakes is supported by TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Just past 1 o'clock on this Sunday afternoon here in the Twin Cities, take a look at your forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center. Chance of showers today. We reach a high of 85. And we got Hour 1, Brad Carlson of the Narn, starting right now on The Patriot. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-3, 2, 1. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to uh, send us a message via Twitter, feel free to do so. Just use hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show, hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. A uh, lot to get to this show. Well, as there is every show, I, I always kind of start off with a lot to get to this show. Well, you know, in this era, uh, we we need to invoke a third hour. I don't know. Uh, I may just uh, there are days I'm tempted to do just like a Facebook Live on our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Uh, which, by the way, if you're not following, why the heck not? Uh, Northern Alliance Radio Network on Facebook. Give us a follow. I always do a preview of the broadcast. Uh, each and every Sunday, usually around yeah, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, just like to do a 20-minute broadcast, and occasionally some of the listeners uh, weigh in and engage, and that's fine, too. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's fine, too. So whatever ways you'd like to tune in, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, I want to get to a couple of local items here in this first hour, and the much-anticipated uh, face mask mandate 
has been handed down by uh, Governor Tim Walz. This is from the Star Tribune, excuse me, this past Wednesday. Uh, Governor Tim Walz announced a statewide mandate Wednesday requiring Minnesotans to wear face masks in stores, public buildings, and other places where people gather indoors, a dramatic extension of his emergency powers in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic that still appears on the upswing in many states. The new rule takes effect Saturday and would apply to most indoor spaces outside people's homes, as well as in some circumstances outdoors where social distancing is difficult. Diners, for example, would be expected to wear masks while they're entering and moving around in restaurants, but not while they're eating or drinking. Um, I think that goes without saying, but <laughs> the fact they have to say it, I think um, probably says all you need to know. Uh, anyways, exceptions would be granted for young children and people with medical conditions. If we get 90 to 95% compliance, which we've seen the science shows, we can reduce the infection rates dramatically which slows that spread and breaks that chain, Walt said. This is the way, the cheapest and the most effective way for us to open up our businesses, for us to get our kids back in school, for us to keep our grandparents healthy, as long as you don't follow the governor's nursing home policy, and for us to get back that life we all miss so much. A few thoughts on this, obviously. Number one, if you look at the data the vast majority of positive COVID cases in Minnesota have occurred in the metro area. And for obvious reasons, there is higher population density. And a lot of metro area cities, particularly St. Paul and and Minneapolis and some first ring suburbs, they already had mandates in place. And if the specific cities didn't, then a lot of businesses went ahead and issued mandates. And I've said on this show many times, a private business that indicates this is what you have to do in order to patronize our place of business, I, I have zero issue with. Okay, what private citizens do with their private property, you know, they make a request. I, I obviously have no problem complying. If I have a problem complying, then I won't, I, I just won't utilize their business. It's that simple. Like our local grocery store up where my wife and I live. You know, they say they required face masks. Not a problem. And secondly, uh, this just seems like a silly exercise overall to issue a statewide mandate because most people were cognizant uh, of wearing face masks and taking in the data and saying, okay, this doesn't help completely eliminate the possibility of COVID, but it's a mitigating factor. And it's always been emphasized, at least people who are paying attention, that if you wear a face mask, it is more of a deterrent of you spreading the virus, if you happen to have it, as opposed to preventing you from getting it. So there's still going to be that risk of you getting it. But my thought process from the beginning has been to wear a face mask whenever I was out in public. And like I say, from about mid-March until June 1st, uh, so that's a two and a half month span, I was working from home. My wife was also working from home. And other than walking the dog three times a day, we <laughs> we never went anywhere. Uh, we didn't have to gas up our vehicles that much because we weren't driving anywhere. Now we would go, obviously, to the, gro- the grocery store. That was literally about the only place we went outside of our neighborhood. And when we did, we wore a face mask. When on, on the occasions went to visit my mother, my mother had, is 78 years old, has underlying health conditions and lives in an apartment building where a lot of elderly people reside. And as we've known since day one, the elderly are the most susceptible to this strain of coronavirus. I wear a face mask when I go there. It, it was a no brainer because I, you know, very, pretty obviously if I would have, if I, on the off chance I would have COVID, but were asymptomatic it's still contagious. And if my mother were to get it with her underlying health conditions, uh, game's over. And, I, and obviously I couldn't live with myself. So just from a, uh, a safety standpoint and a public health standpoint, my wife and I wore face masks when we went out in public. Again, on those rare occasions, we did. So I, I've said it on the show many a time. I don't know how this became so politicized. Now, 
the the government mandate, I get it. The government mandate that that is that is something that uh, where people are going to kind of bristle quite a bit because they're not understanding all of the arbitrary decisions that are being made by Governor Walls. There never seems to be a timetable on anything. And you'll remember he was expecting at this point in time, late July or mid-July, uh, he had said, and he'd said this, I think it was back in April, that he was almost certain that we would have 20,000 deaths and ICU beds were going to be close to being filled up. Even if we were doing all of the things that he recommended, he says, look, I, and I remember this, his, 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 I don't remember his exact quote, but it was essentially saying, look, flattening the curve, that, that, that horse is out of the barn, that ship has sailed, we, we can't flatten the curve anymore, it's too late for that. What we've got to do is do, do the best we can from this day forward, you know, with the masking, where I recommend we wear a face mask, the mandate wasn't in, in place, obviously, at that point, but uh, social distancing, still huge, I'm hearing of a lot of situations where there's not social distancing, and they even set up a snitch line where if people were gathering in groups of bigger than 10 or 20, that there was a there was a snitch line they could call. They didn't call it that, but that's basically what it was. And how many deaths do we have as of today? Not 20,000, more like about 1,600. I think, I think we just, um, as of Wednesday, I know it was around 1,550. And we probably don't even have 1,600, because that was just Wednesday. We had 1,552. And we have had the longest stretch of single-digit deaths due to coronavirus uh, since the first recorded death in March, the Minnesota death, that is. So the mortality rate is definitely going down, and that's good news. Again, the fact we're still reporting five deaths a day, eight deaths a day, three deaths a day, tragic. Shouldn't have happened. But once the coronavirus got here, we braced ourselves for that expectation. Again, horribly tragic. No, no doubt about it. Don't want to diminish one single death. But the fact is, in April, we were consistently having 25 to 30 deaths per day here in Minnesota due to coronavirus. And our peak number of cases happened around April, May timeframe. And they've been steadily, they've been leveling off. The seven-day average has been pretty consistent. And the mortality rate, way down. And ICU usage, ICU beds and ventilator usage, okay, down or have pretty much leveled off. The only time we really came close to the beginning of a crisis with ICU beds was, I believe it was in the within the last month, month and a half, when people who had undergone quote unquote routine procedures or routine or uh, elective surgeries or people under or had forewent cancer screenings, okay. Some of those illnesses were exacerbated by obviously delaying treatment or delaying checkups or appointments. Because and and, and this is something that was 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 kind of angering to me. Because there was an article, the headline came out, it's like, well, ICU bed is reaching close to capacity here in the Twin Cities. Well, what are people going to think? They're automatically going to assume, oh my God, COVID is going crazy here. Well, no. No, it was bec- it's it's because a lot of these people again who put off these elective surgeries and their cancer screenings, all of a sudden their respective uh, ailments got worse and needed immediate treatment. So again, Governor Walz's presser on Wednesday announcing this face mask mandate, if it was the first time someone had heard him, you would think that this was a very common sense, rational approach. Okay. You know, wear a face mask and we'll, and if 90, 90 to 95% compliance, you know, we'll be able to, uh, really, uh, break this chain, so to speak. Well, there's no way there's going to be 90 to 95% compliance, not in the entire state. Because again, even um, Dr. Michael Osterholm, renowned uh, epidemiologist who has been quoted quite a bit during this uh, pandemic said on his website the other day, that uh, wearing a face cloth, don't use wearing uh, of face cloth coverings as an excuse to dis- decrease other crucial, li- likely more effective protective steps like physical distancing, which comes back to my initial point. 
Why is this a one-size-fits-all for the state? I mean, as you get further out state into some of the rural areas, it is plenty conducive for distancing. So you're going to tell me that if you happen to see someone uh, in a local area, you know, in a local tavern up there where there's maybe two or three people and they're not wearing face masks, that somehow that, that that's worthy of a hundred dollar fine when they're more than well, more than six feet apart. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, this whole one size fits all approach, which a lot of people were demanding. And of course that that's one, that's one of the things they were criticizing president Trump for is he didn't issue a statewide shelter in place, which again was nonsensical. What were the, some of the states that they were pigpiling upon? And they, they did a rating early on. Said, well, these states like Wyoming and Ohio, or excuse me, not Ohio, Wyoming, Idaho, South uh, Dakota, North Dakota, uh, West Virginia. These are the states that are the absolute worst in responding to this. No kind of physical, uh, no kind of shelter in place at the state level of any kind. Well, hello. The population isn't nearly the same there as there was, as there is, say, New York State or California or Florida or Texas. Okay, some of the more densely populated states that ha- that have been some of the bigger hotspots. New York was the initial hotspot, particularly in New York City, because of the huge population density. Now, it doesn't help that Governor Cuomo was a complete dunderhead and and uh, and said, well, hey, you know what? There's plenty of beds available in these nursing homes. Let's send COVID patients there. Yeah, that was a spectacular idea. And yet, he's doing a victory lap because all of a sudden cases have leveled way off. Well, you dummy, because when people get coronavirus, the chances of getting reinfected again are what we know early on anyways are virtually small. Well, that's why there's hardly any more cases because so many people had it initially. This isn't difficult. Anyway, so the point is is that this face mask mandate is not going to change my habits much at all because, like I say, I was already in the habit of doing it whenever I went to, to public places. But unfortunately for Governor Walls, uh, enough people have tuned him out <laughs> due to this uh, doomsday scenarios that have never come to fruition. And I, as I emphasize, it feels like I emphasize practically every week since like late May, early June, uh, the fact that there was a complete pass given to social justice protests, which featured no social distancing and intermittent face mask usage. That's another reason people are tuning them out. It's like, well, you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're going to go off and a bunch of people, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people who gather in a backyard for a barbecue, which, again, there is, there is possibility of risk of infection. I get that. But, uh, so, but uh, uh, systemic racism is a public health crisis. Therefore, we're okay with, with protests. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, Governor Walls has never said that. He's never sanctioned these protests, but he certainly doesn't uh, doesn't become one of those woke scolds as much with them as he does, say, for, for a backyard barbecue. So, again, if you're wondering why a lot of these uh, public health officials and government officials are being tuned out, it's because, well, they're singing two different tunes. And Brad, if I can again, chime in here for one second, if yeah, you don't mind. Um, so I'm, I, we've talked about it before, too. Uh, we're both kind of in agreement of how we're going about wearing masks and stuff. We both have been wearing them since the very beginning. This is more of a public health issue than a political issue for us. But I'm not surprised sure. about the mask uh, mandate, only because I think we were either the 31st or 32nd state to mandate one. And also sure. I've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, communities and cities across Minnesota like Cloquet, Bemidji, Mankato, uh, even some Twin Cities towns like Roseville uh, doing their own mask mandates. So I think Walls was even seen to an extent, all right, we're seeing mask mandates across the state, so we might as just well do all one for the entire state. But you know what? I will agree with you as well. To an extent, Wall has, Walls has kind of taken a cookie-cutter approach going about COVID, and this kind of feels like that as well to an extent. Yeah, I mean, and I think our, our cases have definitely plateaued and the death rate has gone way, way down. And, and, and so, I, you know, again, I understand his rationale. It's like, look, we're in a pretty good spot here right now. I think this could possibly stem the tide further. But to me, I think he's almost it's almost as if he's setting up for his big announcement. I think it's to come this week about what they want to do going forward for schools, which I think should be left up to the local school districts. But that's a subject I imagine we'll get into next week when the state decides what to do this fall for kids going back to school. 
but he's already I, I have a feeling this is a setup to say, well, you know what? We just we just did a mask mandate five days ago. We can't very well possibly we don't have enough data to say if we can send kids back to school or not. I again call it a conspiracy theory, call you what you want, but it seems to me he's setting up uh, for that. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, the closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-218-9520. 800-218-9520. 800-218-9520. That's 800-218-9520. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. One of the things American Pressure offers is a complete pressure washer trailer. That means there's a water tank, hose reels, and everything else you need to do mobile cleaning where you've got the dirt. We've got them available for rent, lease, and purchase. And we'll customize a solution for you if we don't have it on our show floor. Stop in today to find out more. Get an $8,025 high-efficiency gas furnace for just $4,012 through this special offer from Blue Ox Heating and Air in this station. There's just one half-price furnace. Go to this station's website, click on the More tab, then Half-Price Offers, or call the station now. Welcome back. Game 12 the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, we'll get back to the Tim Walls face mask mandate. Uh, I do want to say regarding face masks, I'm not going to join in on the pig piling on Dr. Fauci. If you saw that, I, he threw out the first pitch at the Yankees-Nationals game in Washington, D.C. on Thursday evening, and he was sitting between his wife and his best friend, and at one point you see him with his mask down around his chin, and people were posting that on social media and saying, oh, look at this, masks for we, but masks for ye, but not for we. You know, uh, these, uh, these elitists, these hypocrites, they tell us to wear face masks, they don't even wear one themselves. Um, Dr. Fauci is giving daily updates on COVID and is around, attends a lot of press conferences, is around a lot of people. Do you think he might be getting tested on a regular basis? And as a result, uh, would not put himself in harm's way 
if he weren't getting tested because he's well, he's almost 80 years old, okay? And he's next to his wife and his best friend. Now, do you think he's going to be that irresponsible by taking down his mask at the risk of infecting his wife and his best friend? Come on, let, let's be smart about this. And also, he had a bottle of water right in his hand. You think he might have been in between taking sips of his water? So I'm not going to join in on the pig piling again on Dr. Fauci for the brief moment he had his mask down. It's silly. Uh, there are plenty of other things that to criticize, not the least of which that first pitch he actually threw. But uh, that's a you know that's another story entirely. I did I did post my picture of my throwing out the first pitch at the Saints game seven years ago, and I tried to tag Dr. Fauci. I just said, "Hey, Dr. Fauci, call me." So hopefully he takes me up on it. Would love to help him out with that. Uh, anyways, continuing with the uh, face mask mandate here in Minnesota, it seems loosely based very loosely based on science. You know, these these progressives, they like to cite science when they make these uh, these decisions, but it seems loosely based. Well, you know, we got to get this mandate. You know, this, this is an emergency. We need to get this in place, but it's not going to be in place for another 72 hours. Well, if it's such an emergency, what are we waiting 72 hours for? And secondly, as I alluded to also in the first segment, uh, there is plenty of opportunity for distancing in these small rural areas. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you're going to cite, uh, find somebody for $100, say someone goes into a local gas station uh, up in uh, Thief River Falls, where the only other person in there is the clerk, and there's plenty of opportunity to social distance, and some woke scold walks in and reports somebody not wearing a mask, you're going to hand on a $100 fine to that someone? I just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think, Brad, because it's going to be... Dust, so, oh, I'm sorry. Well, hold on a second. Go Dr. Ahead. Osterholm has said physically distancing is the more effective approach. And if people are doing that responsibly, then I don't understand the problem. Sorry, go ahead, Jason. Well, I think it's going to be similar to um, at least enforcing this mandate, similar to what they did when the shutdown happened at the very beginning. Because I don't think they were looking specifically for people who were like out and about and not... Uh, socially distancing and stuff. Maybe they check on them, check in on them, and say like, "Hey, you know, maybe head home or where are you going?" That kind of stuff. I don't know actually how many fines happened, but I think it's going to be similar this time around. You know, it's not going to be a bunch of cops going around and like arresting people, finding people, throwing them in jail. I think well, they'll see not. some people if they're not wearing There's a mask. I guarantee you, there. those cops will have like <laughs> a ton of masks in their back pocket, and they'll just be like, "Here you go, just wear one." Yeah, please. I don't want to have to find. You. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point, but. Uh, I think another issue with this, and only got a go to a few minutes left in this um, in this uh, segment here. Somebody just uh, somebody just hit a grand slam for the twins. You know who that was? It was Jake Cave Oppo. Wow, I know. Just, just cleared the fence. Just cleared the fence. It may have tipped the left fielder's glove and in. They're checking on him right now. I think that be might be Eloy Jimenez. But yeah, four nothing Twins. Top of the first. Okay. Well, a little uh, little controversy surrounding this face mask mandate. Apparently. The commissioner of the department of, uh, I, I got to get my uh, acronym straight, the Minnesota Department of Employment and Economic Development, DEED, uh, Commissioner Steve Grove, he drafted some letters for sample letters to business owners in the state uh, at urging them to submit pre-written letters supporting the policy, the government's face, the governor's face mask policy to newspapers and other organizations. And again, this is from the Star Tribune story from Tori Van, Tori Van Oot. That'd be a good Canadian name, Tori Van Oot. Uh, none of the sample letters included disclosures indicating the text was written and provided by state officials. The push sparked protest Friday from Senate GOP leaders accusing the DFL governor of using state resources for what they called a taxpayer-funded PR campaign in support of a mandate that many Republicans oppose as an overreach of his emergency powers to curb the spread of COVID-19. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka called the move a poor decision at best, adding that he is looking into whether the action constitutes a violation of state law or ethics. Uh, David Schultz, a Hamlin University professor who served as the president of Common Cause Minnesota, said the administration's move raises several ethical and potentially legal issues, asking groups to publish letters a state agency drafted on the state's behest without disclosure prompts transparency concerns, he said. The use of public dollars for what Schultz called quasi-lobbying encouraged indiv encouraging individuals and groups to express public support for the policy is also problematic. 
So if you're so certain that this is the right thing in the name of science, because of course they always cite science, even though there's never a lot of hard data given, there's, you know, like, um, well, they says 90 to 95% compliance. This should help uh, mitigate the, the, the spread. Well, okay, you're, those are just numbers that you're throwing out. But if this is such a important step in the name of science and a sound policy, why is someone within the administration trying to solicit businesses to lobby on their behalf? It's almost as if like they're trying to force validation here. But um, yeah, pretty messy situation uh, for sure. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. This is Sebastian Gorka. I know you know the deep state has been plotting to destroy Donald Trump. Now, read all the details in a new book by my good friend, Matthew Whitaker, the former acting attorney general. It's called Above the Law. Read it and learn how Obamagate led to an unprecedented attempt to take down a duly elected president. Above the Law by Matthew Whitaker. It's a must read this summer. Above the Law is available everywhere books are sold. If your house needs new windows, you may be justifiably concerned about the upcoming parade of three-hour window presentations. High pressure, high priced, and all say they have the only window in the world that is right for you. Well, this year, do the opposite. I'm Ryan with My Three Quotes, the one-of-a-kind free service that's the exact opposite of the typical window buying experience. First of all, I'm respectful of everyone's time. In less than an hour at your house, I'll have all the info I need to email you installed quotes on any window brand from multiple local contractors. Secondly, we find the best options based on your needs in your house. Whether it's Marvin, Anderson, or local vinyl brands, I know where to get you the best prices and quality. Thirdly, zero pressure, guaranteed. You move at your pace, and I'm always available to provide more options or meet you at showrooms until you're confident moving forward. When that time comes, I'll write up the order and do a walkthrough inspection when it's done. And did I mention I have the same free process for siding and roofing? Visit my 3 Quotes online to set up a free appointment. That's the number three, my 3 Quotes. Catch up on the latest news and information affecting Minnesota's great outdoors with Outdoor News Radio. We talk hunting, fishing, and natural resources in the great state of Minnesota every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Joining me, Rob Jerisline, our guests like bow hunting expert Tony Peterson, professional anglers like Tackle Terry Tuma and Tim Lesmeister, and nature gurus like the bird chick Sharon Staler. Join us for Outdoor News Radio. Every Sunday morning at 8 on our sister station, Freedom 1570. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, Please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across Welcome back, Camp 12 Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. I want to uh, take a, a shift here, and uh, we're going to have our we're uh, scheduled to have on our uh, friend of the broadcast, Peter Johnson, he of Archway Defense. I uh, wanted to get Peter's perspective on the uh, couple, uh, the McCloskeys, uh, who will uh, let me let me see if I get uh, get there first. Yeah, Mark and Patricia McCloskey. If you remember them, it was uh, they were the couple in late June, 
in uh, St. Louis when a Black Lives Matter protest uh, breached the gate into their gated community and were walking toward the mayor's house. Uh, the couple both brandished weapons at the uh, protesters because, of course, there's been violent protests that had been breaking out in the area. And when these protesters, again, uh, breached the gate to get into the uh, get into the neighborhood, uh, the couple held guns toward the protesters, and they said they uh, feared for their lives. And there has been a there are going to be charges uh, brought up against the McCloskeys. Their guns have already been confiscated via authorities via a warrant, and the governor of Missouri has already said he would pardon them if indeed there is a conviction, and the attorney general of Missouri has already uh, filed a motion to have the charges uh, dismissed. Now, apparently he in the uh, circuit, the uh, St. Louis County uh, District Attorney, uh, yeah, St. Louis County District Attorney Kimberly Gardner uh, is going to file charges. Now, apparently the AG can't overrule her, can't tell her to dismiss the charges, but so he has to file a separate motion to uh, dismiss the charges against the McCloskeys. But there, there are a lot of questions I have on this um, particular one, and I don't know that it's as, it's as cut and dried as we're making. Now, the state of Missouri, their gun laws, they do have the, uh, the, the Castle Doctrine, which means if you are in your home or on your private property, you don't have a duty to retreat. So um, that is one issue that is definitely going to be uh, cropping up here because they don't have a duty to retreat. And if they felt threatened and if these protesters came onto their private property, they were well within their rights to exercise, well, their Second Amendment rights. Uh, do we have Peter on the line? Do I understand that correctly, Jason? Is yes, we do. Okay. Uh, Peter Johnson, he the founder of Archway Defense and uh, expert in firearms. Again, bringing him on to kind of weigh in on the situation with McCloskey's in uh, St. Louis. Peter, always great to have you on the broadcast, my friend. How are you? Brad, as always, thank you for having me. So I started to kind of tease us a little bit, Peter, talking about the McCloskey's in St. Louis. Mark and Patricia McCloskey, they uh, brandished firearms in late June, Black Lives Matter protest, uh, apparently, or they're alleged to have broken through the gate in this gated community and were walking toward the mayor's home and was a passed in front of the McCloskey's home. Uh, they uh, the McCloskeys brandished weapons because they they claim that they felt threatened. However, their charges are still being brought against the McCloskeys for brandishing firearms. Now, uh, Peter, from your perspective and knowing what we know uh, about Missouri gun laws, uh, what do you think the chances are for a conviction in this particular case? For a conviction, uh, extremely rare. Simply, the governor, uh, I believe, came forward and said he would be pardoning them. Um, right. Because the, the the state law was not being followed by the rogue prosecutor on this, um, so the uh, an actual criminal conviction coming out of it, I think, would be statistically insanely rare at this point. I think that's safe to say. So what now? What are the situation now? That the claims are, look, these protesters they weren't technically on the McCloskey's private property; they were merely walking on the street in front of their property. That isn't technically the McCloskey's property uh so would there be kind of a, a a wrinkle there or would the mccloskey still be within their rights to maybe brandish weapons because even though they technically weren't on mccloskey's property from what i understand it's a gated community it is a secure entry and if they broke through that obviously there are to be separate charges but would that still hold up in the mccloskey's favor peter johnson so when this uh when the video uh came out and the story first re got released, we reached out to some of our friends in uh, St. Louis PD specifically okay. asking what, what is this neighborhood? What's, what are the chances that this was legit or uh, kind of where are the parameters on this one? And so this is a gated community. So they weren't the, the protesters. I can't call them protesters because as soon as you break property or damage property, you're no longer protesting. Sure. But they broke, they broke through uh, and damaged. There's, photo evidence of it and i confirmed with the law enforcement down in st louis that the the individuals did in fact break down uh the gate and gain entry to a private gated community which is illegal and then uh proceeded to threaten the homeowners 
initially the homeowners did not have firearms out. They were they were coming out to kind of start yelling at the protesters, this is private property, you're trespassing, get off the property, giving them uh, the warning, just like if anybody else came on your property, first thing you would do is ask them to get off your property or get out of sure. um, let them know that they're trespassing. So it wasn't until, uh, and this is what we're getting from people on the ground down there, it wasn't until the, the threats of violence, the threat of burning down the building, killing the dog, etc., came up right. where they went back in the house, retrieved firearms um, to keep the the mob from entering their property. So as far as the the, the one the massive thing that's going to help them in their case, well, other than the governor expressing that he'll pardon them regardless, is that they are in a gated community. It is private property. That the gate was damaged so that the individuals committed a crime by breaking through a secure entry. And the fact that at the end of the day, they never fired one shot. I think that right. gets lost in the conversation a lot. That if, ever, uh, depending on what side of the argument you're on, people are either vilifying them or holding them up as heroes. But in the middle, you just have to look at the case law. They didn't fire a shot. Now, from everybody who's a gun advocate or a Second Amendment proponent or a proficient firearms shooter or a hunter, we can all agree their weapons handling, uh, firearms handling was appalling so hopefully they'll go get training after this um but that's that's what we're getting from the people on the ground so at at what point can you even uh, brandish a weapon because like you say you know my wife and i we've been uh in the mode of taking our 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 firearms instruction classes and and obviously we we've learned a a lot of new things with every class along the way And, and one of the indications are um is it's probably not a good idea to even present your weapon unless you're going to use it. Now, that, now that's not a general rule. We're saying, okay, if you're going to show your weapon, you absolutely have to use it. No one's saying that, but if you're, uh, but to even present it is almost like a bridge too far. So from a legal standpoint, at what point, I mean, would there be an issue with them pointing the weapon at these people? Again, they, maybe they weren't technically on their private property, but they did breach through their gated community. At what point um, would that be an issue where they were, where they were even pointing their weapons at those folks, Peter Johnson? Yeah, so this is where it all has to come into the reasonableness standard, um, in reasonable fear of great bodily harm and death of yourself or another. And then under certain states, uh, there's the protection of your own property, your home, is a justifiable use of deadly force. So if, uh, if well, then that's where the their defense team and their uh, – they're no, they're no uh, novice to the legal system, pardon me, because sure. I believe they're both le- lawyers. But the legal defense team will present reasonable fear that they were in reasonable fear based on the totality of the circumstances of what was happening in St. Louis and the rest of the country with the riots, with the arson, um, with people being pulled out of their car and beaten and etc. So that's going to help establish that reasonable fear standard, which as soon as you can hit a reasonable fear, you're legally in a better position. Now, I will say um, the the brandishing of a firearm, when you're, if you're going to be pointing a firearm at somebody, it's it should be at that threshold right before deadly force is necessary. And I use that word very, very appropriately, necessary, that there's no lesser means would have worked. Um, you're well within your rights to protect yourself or other from great bodily harm or death, or in the case of, uh, depending on the state, protecting your homestead. But the, the reasonableness and the necessity of pointing a firearm at somebody shouldn't be, shouldn't be brushed off. Uh, it's one thing to retrieve a firearm, but then the question is, at what point should we be pointing a firearm randomly at the crowd? And that's where I might differ, but at the same time, my reasonableness standard and maybe, and definitely yours, would be different because of the amount of training that we've had. Sure. Whereas the the less training you have, and this actually is a reason why everybody who has a firearm should go out and get some level of training. The less training you have, the more likely you are to uh, either over or underreact because of fear. So the more training you establish that peace of mind, and you'll know the parameters of those bookends a little bit better. For them, I'm going to lean on the side of, they were reluctant participants from a legal standpoint. They had, it wasn't like they went out in the crowd and they went downtown looking for 
an altercation. So right. there is the reasonable fear argument and a reluctant participant element where they were in their home, in their private gated community, a mob broke down their gate and started uh, trespassing in the private community and then allegedly making threats of violence towards them and their property. So I think any, any reasonable court on the planet would, uh, would probably side with them specifically, specifically because no rounds were ever fired. No one was actually hurt. Once again, we are joined by Peter Johnson. He, the founder of Archway Defense, and obviously very uh, proficient in uh, firearms and uh, prolific in his uh, firearms knowledge. Uh, Peter, we need to go to a break. Is any any chance we can hold you over to the, the break for one final segment? Yeah, no problem. Okay, Peter Johnson will be back with us for one final the final segment this hour, and we're still uh, still have some time to take your phone calls if you'd like to weigh in. I have a comment or question. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, again, one final segment coming up this hour. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Whoa, look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Do you feel like there are more unanswered questions and few honest explanations as to why so many of our liberties are under attack? Find out how we can get back to a place of order and normalcy when you stream Morality in the 21st Century on Salem Now. Dennis Prager and Dr. Wayne Grudem confront the toughest social issues we face, and through never-before-told personal stories, you get a clear direction for a visionary future for this nation in this on-demand video special. Visit SalemNow.com to stream Morality in the 21st Century and type in the code MINNEAPOLIS for a 20% discount. Do you have 2020 vision spiritually, geopolitically? If you want to make a difference in your life that impacts years to come, then it's time to stand with Israel by going there. Consider the thrilling excitement of joining nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd to 11th. More than a vacation, this journey will guide you through centuries of faith as you visit significant places right out of Holy Scripture. Together with like-minded travelers, you'll see over 40 iconic sites during the 10-day tour. You can pray at the Western Wall in Old City, Jerusalem, float in the Dead Sea, take a boat out onto the Sea of Galilee, or explore the inside of the Garden Tomb. Set forth a new personal vision for this year and reserve your spot on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd to 11th. Register at am1280thepatriot.com. This is a national health care alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket cost. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. Toll free at this number. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pair of diabetic socks as our special gift to you. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and have insurance, you may qualify to get free delivery of your supplies. 800-439-7409. 800-439-7409. 800-439-7409. That's 800-439-7409. Get a $3,900 Konica Minolta copier for your business for just $19.50 through this special offer from Tops and this station. There's only one half-price copier. Go to the station's website, click on the More tab, then Half-Price Offers, or call the station now. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. Always, we appreciate you tuning in. Continuing our uh, appearance or our discussion, I should say, with Peter Johnson, longtime friend of the broadcast, firearms expert, and founder of Archway Defense. Check out the fantastic work, Archway Defense 
Archwaydefense.com. And be sure to give them a follow on Instagram, by the way. Archway Defense is their Instagram handle. They uh, post a lot of uh, fun pictures and uh, videos on their Instagram stories of all of the things they've got going on around the country. Peter, I know we've talked about your work on this broadcast before, and uh, a big part of what you do is consult and train law enforcement officers in crisis situations, obviously firearm uh, firearms handling, that sort of thing. And you alluded to also, you've just, you've talked to some folks down in the uh, St. Louis PD about what was going on with the McCloskeys down there. So kind of switch gears a little bit. Obviously, there's a lot of talk in the aftermath of the George Floyd death here in Minneapolis of defunding police departments. The Minneapolis City Council has already taken steps to defund the police departments. Uh, you have a, obviously a lot of friends who are wear the blue, proud law enforcement officers. What's their morale like at this point? What is the general sense you're getting from a lot of your friends and colleagues in law enforcement when they hear about this discussion? I think it's absolute lunacy, but what we what we forget about is there are actual human beings that are, are passionate about enforcing the law and to feel like they're behind the mark now more than ever. Uh, how are they handling this from a morale standpoint, Peter Johnson? Well, the morale in Minneapolis PD is, uh, it would be fair to say it's abysmal at best on the best day right now. Um, the, the problem is Minnesota actually, despite what maybe some of the talking points might be kicking out there, Minnesota generally has some of the most uh, stringent and professional law enforcement training and licensing standards in the country. Specifically, Minnesota actually spearheaded, it was the first state uh, in the entire country to come up with the concept of POST, the Police Officer Standard of Training, which is a formalized licensing program for law enforcement, first state in the country. So the, the men and women of law enforcement, specifically in Minnesota, they're jumping through educational and training hoops that generally transcend most other states. So on the whole, we're actually getting a much higher caliber of law enforcement officer than than previously and that that goal is always to improve that standard and that's obviously where we come in but for minneapolis they're obviously they're just completely the morale is completely destroyed um i believe the last number i got was 200 or so are filing for retirement uh Mm. disability or transitioning out of the department the the danger is when law enforcement works on the concept of the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and then case law. Case law dictates the parameters or the bookends of how they perform their duties. Well, when you take those bookends and you completely remove them, they're not sure where what they should be doing anymore because they have to work within the confines of those bookends of the legal uh, their legal authority. In Minneapolis specifically, because they, the the cops have been targeted so aggressively from this, uh, the mayor and the city council, sure. uh, they're, they're basically, it's not an official stand down, but at the end of the day, they're not doing anything simply because they don't know what's going to get them in trouble. So if you don't know, if you know that doing nothing will get you in less trouble than responding, you simply don't respond. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately the, this is emboldening the, uh, criminal gang element, specifically the North siders, which are, responsible for the overwhelming majority of shootings and homicides in Minneapolis specifically. And those numbers are going through the roof. I mean, we're, it's not something that we should be trying to do, but we're, we're trying to compete with Chicago per capita shootings and homicides, which is for, for how great of a state it is and how good of a city Minneapolis was. That's, it's ridiculous. So again, it's their, the morale is destroyed. The cops are, coming to work every day not knowing what the parameters of their their authority is or what they should or shouldn't be doing so unfortunately a lot of them are just simply uh dialing back and that this is where if you've heard some of the other stories of bar owners saying hey we've got 30 40 people in front of our bar or restaurant and we want you to disperse them the cops are calling and saying no or because if we come out all we're going to do is get attacked then we'll have to fight somebody and if we fight somebody then we'll hurt somebody and then if we hurt somebody we're the bad guy again so it's it's a very dangerous slope i mean it's not even a slope it's a free fall that we're at with the city of minneapolis now by contrast some of the other states that have a pro law enforcement community support pro law enforcement mayor pro law enforcement uh city council their morale is better obviously 
Um, sure. But definitely concerned about the, the increase in tax and law enforcement nationwide, which is trending again significantly higher. So all in all, it's all of law enforcement, regardless of where they are. And we were talking, we've been traveling on the road for four or five years now, tra- training police departments, coast to coast and border to border. And all of them, the disenfranchisement, the questioning of why are we even doing this when, when we're vilified for trying to stop the, the most violent criminal predators from destroying our cities and towns. Again, we're, we're in a pretty, pretty bad spot unless we change course quickly. Um, as they say, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, it, it just, it, I mean, just nightmarish scenarios. I, I still remember video footage from, gosh, I, this is maybe two, three weeks ago in uh, on Lake Street, you know, in uh, kind of the uptown area where they were having uh, drag races just right down the middle of this busy street and firing shots in, in the air. I mean, it, it just, it reminded me of like Mad Max, this post-apocalyptic world. It's just surreal, something you thought was straight out of a movie, but it's, it's, it's reality right now, Peter Johnson. Very much so. And the, the cities that are unfortunately run by, um, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to, I don't know what labels appropriate for them, but there's certain municipalities that are being run by people that I, I would have to intellectually question whether or not they're anarchists. Uh, if they want the complete collapse of society, but they get the private security, Peter. They're good. They're fine. They're they're all right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that's just it. Um, we we got a call during all the riots of um, a friend of ours who's more on the the left side, which is fine. But they're like, hey, we heard about all these militia members coming to Minnesota. I'm like, what are you talking about? So they showed me a photo of one guy with um, obviously former military. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I know who that is. So I called him up. And he was a con- he got contracted in the state of Minnesota to provide security for the city council. Imagine that. Yep. So yeah, Former military security. Guy. Yep. Security for and, we, uh, not for ye. Apparently, yeah, that's uh, correct. It, uh, that, uh, that was an egregious offense. I talked about that in the show last week. So yeah, well, Peter, yeah, so um, I, I apologize. We're, we're up against a, a hard break. We we do have to let you go, but we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll definitely have you on again. And in the meantime. Uh, Safe travels wherever you might be out in the, uh, the country. I know you travel a lot, but uh, definitely safe travels, and uh, look forward to uh, having you on again real soon. As always, thank you so much for having me. AM 12 to the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation... Is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan. Plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies with everything in our toolkit working for you digital audio mobile even audience engaging contests and promotions contact salem surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan learn more at surroundmsp.com surroundmsp.com connecting you with new customers social security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and for years this great station has been fighting to keep the Twin Cities right. 
As we head into 2020, I would ask that you help us continue the fight by supporting our local sponsors who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities. Now here's a word from our friend, Dennis Prager. I I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. And helping fighters is as good and noble as fighting. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help the station. And that is just patronize their sponsors. Those sponsors, they are making us possible. No sponsors, we're talking to ourselves. By supporting the local businesses you hear on this